0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study each Sunday evening that is posted at the same time as we come together at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ for Sunday morning Bible classes. And right here in Omaha, Nebraska. We're thankful to have this opportunity to be able to teach God's Word on such a broad-based scale through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We know that there are people even in the Omaha area who cannot be with us at that particular time for one reason or another, sometimes physical handicaps. But we know that there are people who also listen to our Bible studies, our Bible classes, our teachings by podcast across the country and literally around the world wherever the internet is available. And we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts to whoever has access to the internet and wants to study God's Word. And we know that there are lots of people out there who want to be in God's Word. They want to hear God's Word taught. So we're thankful to be able to do that, and we're thankful that you're here and that we're here with you through these podcasts. We encourage you to tell everybody you can about these Bible studies and share them with everybody you can. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as you share these studies with others in your life, you can help them grow in their faith and prayerfully and hopefully get to heaven. Also, tell everybody you can about our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and they can click on the podcast button, and they can sign up for a podcasting. Now, it's all free. It always will be free, and when they sign up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class plus a whole lot more regular daily Bible teaching. And again, it will always be free. So tell everybody you can and take advantage of it yourself. We're going to get back into our study in the book of Judges. We have seen from chapter 1 through chapter 2 a very tragic transition for the people of Israel. When you go through chapter 1 of Judges... You see, at that particular time, as the account is being laid out in chapter 1, Joshua was still alive. The people of Israel were still faithful to God. They were still serving God faithfully. But then we saw also, beginning with verse 27 of chapter 1, that they did not quite fulfill God's instruction to either destroy or drive out completely all the peoples that had lived in the promised land before God led them into that land, Joshua being their leader at that particular time, to conquer that land, the land that he had promised to them going all the way back to Abraham, their forefather. And so here they are. They're in the land. Now, they fought numerous, many battles, and God has given them victory in every single battle, with the exception of one, and that was at Ai initially. But then when they went back to battle, the people, the warriors of Ai the second time, after they had repented and put the sin out of the camp, God gave them a mighty victory even there. But they have defeated every single enemy, every single king, every single army that came before them. And they were close to completely obeying God by driving out all of the peoples who had lived in that land before they entered it. But they came up a little short. When Joshua became, well, advanced in age, old, he was ready to step aside. And apparently at that point, the battles almost came to a close. There were still some peoples living there. Now, the problem was, it wasn't that God was being prejudiced, you know, and saying, you know, I'm going to give this land to these people, and you all can't have any part in it. No, it was because they were idol worshipers. They did not believe in God. They did not worship God. They did not follow God. And so God taking a proactive step. And, you know, when we talk about prophylactics, you know, we're talking about something, medications that is given to prevent something from happening. It's not something that is given to a person who is already sick. It's something that is given to a person so that he will not get sick. And in some cases, people are given medications to keep them well and healthy, to fend off any bacteria or any uh, viruses or any other potential physical, physically damaging uh, situations that could occur within their physical bodies. And so God said, you drive these people out or else you destroy them in battle completely. Don't let any of them stay in, in the land, because they are idol worshipers. They are basically following the devil, and if you allow them to stay in the land and you start developing relationships with them, and particularly if you start allowing your sons and your daughters to intermarry with them, they're going to become a spiritual thorn in your side. They're going to start influencing you to turn more and more away from me and start worshiping their idols. Well, the people of Israel almost completely obeyed God, but they stopped short. And so they left some of the peoples still in that land, some of those idol-worshiping peoples. Now, they might have thought, well, you know, we've got them under our thumb. We are so powerful, they cannot stand against us. We, you know, we, we have control over them. And so they basically made them, you know, put them in, in positions of servitude to them, but they allowed them to stay. And over a period of time, their influence grew upon the people of Israel. And exactly as God said, they drew them in to the worship of their idols And in so doing, they drew them farther and farther away from true faithfulness, complete dedication to God. Again, verses 7 through 10 in chapter 2 are so tragic. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua— who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So all the people who were alive as long as Joshua was alive, all the people who were alive as long as the elders who outlived Joshua were alive, these were the people who saw the mighty works, the miraculous blessings of God upon them and their forefathers, parents and grandparents, going all the way back to the Red Sea, God splitting the Red Sea, destroying the Egyptian army that was pursuing them, God taking care of them, feeding them miraculously for 40 years in the wilderness, and then God giving them victory after victory after victory after victory over the people who inhabited the promised land who were not believers in God. They saw God's mighty works. Verse eight, now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his his inheritance at Timnathares in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash. So if the account stopped there, we'd say, praise God the people were staying faithful. But then verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, when all that generation who outlived Joshua and that generation that was still alive until all the elders who outlived Joshua died, When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, in other words, when that generation had died themselves, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So that faithful generation, that still faithful generation, when they died, their children, their grandchildren, that next generation they were not there in the wilderness they were not there at the Red Sea they were not there fighting the battles and seeing all the victories that God gave to the to to his people and apparently their parents and their grandparents and I say apparently that would seem to be the logical understanding Their parents and grandparents did not be as diligent as they needed to be in teaching their children and grandchildren coming up about God and his mighty works in delivering Israel and bringing them to this land. So they did not know the Lord nor the work that he had done, uh, which he had done for Israel. And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of God. In verse 11, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. The Baals served the idols of the people who lived in the land, the people who their fathers and grandparents allowed to stay in the land. They stopped fighting the battles after Joshua died. Okay, now let's pick up with chapter 3. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. All right? Now, did God allow those nations to stay by his own design? I don't think we're to understand that. The Israelites stopped fighting the battles. The Israelites allowed those people to stay. Now, God then could use them to test the faith of the Israelites. Verse 2, this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who who had not formerly known it. So these children, this next generation, that, out, that, that came up after Joshua and after the elders who outlived Joshua, they needed to learn the lessons that their parents and grandparents had learned. And so God would use these other peoples who, they, who their parents and grandparents had allowed to stay in the land, God would use them to test or perhaps even to try to mm, grow the faith of this next generation. But the next generation did not respond in the way that God wanted them to respond. So verse three, namely five lords of the Philistines, and they would become continual enemies of the Israel of the people of Israel for a long time, generations. All the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal, from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath. And they were left, that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And these were peoples that God told them, drive out or destroy. And they took their daughters to be their wives, exactly disobedient to God's instructions. Going back to the time before they, they entered the promised land, Moses, God through Moses, continually warned them, do not, do not do this. Do not let these people stay in the land. Do not Allow your children to intermarry with them. They're going to lead you into the worship of their idols, and idols are nothing. And when they lead you into worshiping their idols, you're disobedient to God. You're becoming unfaithful to God. And this is exactly what happened. Verse 7, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs, the idols in other words. They therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Cushan, uh, of, of uh, Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan uh, Rishatham eight years. In other words, God allowed an enemy to conquer the people of Israel, supposedly His people, because of their unfaithfulness to Him. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Remember, Caleb was one of the two spies that originally were sent into the land by Moses who said, let's take it. God will give us the victory. But the other 10 spies gave an evil report, and the people believed and followed the other 10 spies. Caleb's younger brother became, and this is what the title of this particular book means, a judge. God raised him up as a judge to deliver or to lead to victory the Israelites over this king of Mesopotamia whom God had allowed to conquer them because of their unfaithfulness. It's interesting. They cried to the Lord, it says in verse 9, you would hope that that would mean they completely repented. But we see that that repentance, to whatever degree it was, did not last very long. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, that is, upon Othniel, this judge that God raised up to deliver them. And he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over. Cushon, rishathaim So the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Forty years. So you would get the impression that they remained pretty faithful to God for those 40 years that God had brought up Othniel to be their leader, their judge. Now, 40 years. You, you think, well, that's not long, but that's a generation, basically maybe a little longer than a generation. What happens during 40 years? Children are born, children who had been already young children, they're growing up. The children who were born, now they're the adult generation, and so everything recycles, so to speak. In verse 12, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, you would think they'd learned their lesson, You would think the parents and the grandparents would teach their children and grandchildren, listen, we learned a great lesson here. We became unfaithful. We became lax. God punished us, but then God delivered us. Don't make our mistake. But again, this next generation comes up, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, uh, and Amalek went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. So now they were in servitude, whereas they had allowed some of these foreign peoples to stay in their land and put them in servitude to, the, to Israel. Now the Israelites were in servitude to foreigners. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, here's the repentance, at least seeming repentance again, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Girah the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself A dagger. It was a double-edged and a cubit in length, and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the so he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man, and when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute, but he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal, and said, "I have a secret message for you, O king." He said, "Keep silence." And all who attended to him went out from him. And so he was deceiving those around him and getting just himself to be alone with the, with, with, with the king, Eglon. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chambers. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch, and shut the doors of the upper room behind him, and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master, fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped, while they delayed, and passed beyond the stone images, and escaped to Sarah, And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. And then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan, leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men from Moab. All stout men of valor, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. Well, you would hope again the people of Israel had learned their lesson and that their repentance would hold, but such was not to be the case. Verse 31, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. But then chapter 4 comes along. We'll pick up there next time, and we see this seesaw kind of history of Israel, faithful to God, unfaithful, faithful to God, unfaithful and God blessing them with victory over their enemies and then allowing their enemies to conquer them. We see this over and over again for a long period of time, long period of time, basically until David comes along. Now, Saul would start to change the course of things, but then he would have his problems, and David would ultimately be the king that god would use to put down all of the enemies of israel let's pray father in heaven we thank you for the lessons that you have laid out for us in your word to teach us your truth and to guide us in your will help us to learn those lessons and to make the proper applications to our lives help us to see the errors of people who followed you for a time but then became unfaithful and suffered the consequences. Help us to recognize that you love us and want to bless us always and ultimately eternally with a home with you in heaven. Guide us to live the life, Father, we pray. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.